Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast, brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive, professionally and personally. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Habits of Leadership podcast. Dan Hasler here with you from Cut Through Coaching and today on the show I'm joined by Sonny Wabweze. He is a mental performance coach and he uses mindfulness with athletes and executives in order to help them boost performance. Originally from the UK, Sonny now lives in Washington, and he joins me today on the show. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It's good to be here. So um, you are a um, mental performance coach and a performance psychologist or performance psychology consultant. Can you just tell us a little bit about um, what that means and the kind of work that you're doing? Okay. Um, Yeah, so mental skills coach um i basically work with athletes and corporate performers and try to help them kind of unlock their superhero powers as i call it so where there's stress pressure performance anxiety basically anything that you care about it brings on these these kind of feelings so i work on the mental skill side to try and help people understand you know how their mind works and to get the best you know out of it when it comes time to perform um, so I work with, I was working with a group of athletes, a Middlesex sprinting club, and it's usually the senior sprinters just about, I was about to get to the GB squad where there's a bit more pressure. So I just kind of help them with performance strategies and what to do on the day so that when they get to those big moments, they can perform. Yeah. And I also work with corporate, corporate performers where, you know, they're going back to sports to try and get an outlet from the pressures of work, say so it's sailing or, you know, um, climbing, mountain climbing or so whatever they're doing so that I can help them with their mental skills in that side. And also when they're in a transition career-wise, trying to move to a different role or move up the corporate ladder, I help build the self-awareness to understand what, how their mind reacts under pressure and where their behavioral style is. And by doing that, helping them to understand how other people react under pressure so that they can connect better with their environment. Yeah. So you're working across a, a fair range there from the sport and, as you said there, through to the corporate and almost like the bridging that gap to so the corporates who want to be doing some sport in their spare time. Given that there's yeah. a, a variety of forums or, or, I guess, you know, domains in which you're working, are there kind of like common themes that present in your work regardless of whether you're working as you say there with um, an athlete before they make um, a national squad or a, a, or a um, you know an executive before they make that step up to a more senior position are there some common tr- things that your work revolves around yeah I think it's for me I always kind of think if you care about something um, when it comes to performance you want to you want to get the best out of it and uh, the common theme is usually people kind of this this the anxiety of wanting to get the best out of it affects their self-confidence and something which I like to call their flow zone so when you're like a kid and there's no expectation you just you just perform and you just allow your mind to do what it normally does by finding even with the athletes or the corporate performers once there's the expectation and you think oh I, I could lose this if I don't do well you, you basically get in the way of your mind and you, for mm-hmm. me it's like that you start to affect your flow zone so i try to help people understand how their mind works understand how to enter their flow zone and, and work on that yeah 
And, and it strikes me um, hearing you talk there that it, it sort of reflects a lot of the stuff um, that me and my team do here. And we, we talk a lot here around um, mindfulness or, or self-awareness or um, letting go of judgment, that kind of stuff. And, and mindfulness seems to be... I mean, it's everywhere you look. It's in the well-being pages of papers. It's on, you know, you got any number of apps you can whack on your phone. Schools are introducing it, as you've already alluded to, you know, and, and obviously in the work we do here, athletes are using it. What, why yeah. is it? Do you think that something which is a relative, well, a really quite an ancient um, thing, if we trace it all the way back to its origins, why is it now so prevalent? Why is it sort of everywhere you look? People are talking about mindfulness. Yes, I mean, it's, yeah, it's funny you mention that because it does seem it's everywhere and it almost seems it's like it can make you walk on water. Um, I kind of go back to the England football team and then nearly get into the World Cup final, which is almost mm. like a feat on walking on water and they used mindfulness. Um, so it's, it's really big in sports. But I, I think for me, it's the, the increase in technology where we're constantly using social media all the time. There's so much information being downloaded on us. I think I heard somewhere now that the amount of information we get on social media is like reading about 170 newspapers in a day. So that's just a lot, a lot impact on the brain. And the kind of Western society we work on where you're always pushing yourself to be better, you now see a lot of stress, burnout and mental health problems. And I just think mindfulness really speaks to the, the issues that have arisen from that in being able to just quieten the mind down and to be present because with all that information we it's, it's very hard now i think to be present mm. and and you you see that ability to be present and quiet in the mind down is that what you uh, sort of try and work to to as you alluded to there to to almost get people out of their own way so they can unleash their, their superpowers that they speak of and find that yeah. flow zone yeah yeah so i think what I found with mindfulness when, when I started using it, uh, the big factor for me is something called metacognitive awareness, which is just like a fancy word for saying you just see your thoughts as thoughts. They're not, you know, they're not reality. You don't have to do what they tell you to do. So that, that giving you that space just allows, I think, allows you to, to self-regulate so that you could just have peace of mind and things that you want to do, you can get them done better. So you were talking um, before, so I'd like to sort of get into the nitty gritty a little bit there. So you're sort of saying that, um, you know, you help people understand how their brain's reacting under pressure or, or whatever, and then and how mindfulness can, um, you know, help us and use that phrase, you know, to walk on water. For people listening to this who are kind of going, oh, come on, mate, this sounds a little bit, um, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit out there for me. You know, is yeah. there, can, can you um, give us, uh, I don't know, a, a, a tangible example, a little practical thing of where somebody who might be listening to this is going, okay, yeah. well, I've got a pressurized moment coming up. I'm not particularly looking forward to it. And it could be something like I've got to give a presentation or I've got a big game or, you know, there's something where the, the stakes have been upped and they know yeah. it's going to impact how they um, not only perform on that day, but also how they approach it. How might something you do, how, how might the work you do um, actually help them get that out of their way and so they can actually perform as you put it in their flow zone what, what, what's some practical things that they can do um okay so some practical things i'm going to use an example of um, someone recently i've been working with um, his name's ishmael 
And uh, so when I say walk on water, I don't literally mean you're going to walk on water, but That's it just means that, <laughs> it just means that, well, some people could walk on water, but I'll help you unlock your super, your superhero powers. So right. Ishmael came to me um, a, few, a few years back now. And when we first sat down, he was kind of having problems with competing and he was now going to like very big competitions where there was a lot of expectation. So the first question I asked him was, you know, tell me a time when, when everything clicked, you know, your mind and your body just were, were there working together to help you achieve your, you know, what you wanted to do. And he recounted the story of when he was younger, um, there was a competition, local competition where he used to live and it just went really, really well. And uh, as he starts to explain that story to me, I start to listen and understand his awareness of you know, how his mind got to that stage where it went really well. And so what I do is then start to pull out, okay, mental mental kind of skills targets that we, we tease out from there. And then during the season, as you start to train, I just kind of start getting the person to set intentions every time they get to training. So that they kind of leave what's happened in the day. And when they get there, they're tuning into their mind and by setting those attentions, then you're bringing awareness as you're going through, through training. And you get setbacks as you're going through the training. But the once you're aware, then you start to understand, okay, I did this. It gave me this, this result. Then at the end of the training, you start to reflect. So by setting the intentions, bringing the awareness and the reflection, by the time we get to competition time, you kind of understand, okay, this is what I need to do you know, to get to get myself to that right state. And then the other part is kind of working on expectation. So I think the biggest part is once once you put something like I need to win this, otherwise this is going to happen. You're not I for me, I don't feel you're going to enter your flow zone. So we kind of use the training that we do to try and make you understand that just just let the mind do what it needs to do. And trying to like trying to bring what I call beginner's mind where we practice it all the way through training where you just you're curious you let go of expectations you just let let things go and you can then you've trained yourself to do that so that when it comes to the competition time you just apply the same same method yeah and the idea of um judgment I think you know we're we're doing some interesting work at the moment here around um, trying to let go of judgment in training. And as you sort of, I don't know if you're exactly saying that, but I, I heard some synergy there in in terms of, you know, if this doesn't happen, then uh, you know this is all this bad stuff's going to happen. And it's, yeah. we kind of hit, see the same thing that when you know. So we've been doing some work um, around tennis, and um, it, it just purely by chance as a. a, a really interesting book called The Inner Game of Tennis, which talks about this idea of non-judgmental awareness. So rather than saying, oh, that was a crap backhand, my backhand sucks, you know, I'm a terrible tennis player. Rather, yeah. say, rather than just, rather than putting all that judgment on it and then the, 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 the negative thoughts which follow and this snowball effect, just saying, yeah. oh, wow, I hit the ball like that and the ball went out, <laughs> you know, and just being really quite aware of it rather than judgmental of it and and the the author timothy galway i think his name is from memory um he talks about that if you can remove the judgment if you can remove those expectations you know and all the the stresses that come with that 
then learning happens a lot more. And then presumably, if you can then carry that on into the p- performance zone, you know, when, when it's time to be your best, um, yeah. you're going to be putting yourself in a, in, a, in a better position. Is that something that you, you would um, concur with? Does that, does that sit well with, the, with your philosophy of what you're working with? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. I think um, what it's one of the facets actually on mindfulness ability. So when you're training yourself to be mindful, you learn to bring awareness and you also learn to bring this thing of non-judgmental awareness. So mm. it's neither good nor bad. You're just, you're just kind of in the moment and going with things in the moment. So it's, it stops you from, as you just said, that snowball effect of if you're judging things, then it's positive or negative. Whereas when you're in the middle of performance, you should just, you've done all the training, the mind, the automatic mind is going to know what to do. So you just kind of go go with the flow. And I guess that's the key point there, right? Because it, I mean, what you just said there was you, you've done the training. So yeah. this idea of the um, mental coaching or um, mindfulness or anything related to that is, is some kind of silver bullet. It's it's unlikely to help you perform better if you've not actually done the work, right? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with it. It's not, it's not a magic pill if you just sit in a room and, and meditate and then you're going to go out there and, and, yeah, mm. and win the 100 metres. No, it's, it's basically allowed, the way I look at it is like people have done, they've bled, they've sweat, they've cried, they've done all that hard work and then this just allows you when it comes to the time you don't get in your own way and you just mm. allow the mind to, you know, perform and show what it's been training for. Yeah. So put this into another context. Then. So put this into someone who's walking into a boardroom or someone who's put this into, you know, put maybe a teacher who's walking into a tricky class or, or, or whatever. Mm. Do the same principles apply? And, and if they do, how do we apply that non-judgmental awareness in, you know, maybe stressful situations when, I don't know, kids are being a bit, you know, rowdy or very rowdy or, or the boardroom it is that pressurised meeting, you know, or that pressurised presentation. How do you train for that in a way in the, in the, in the same manner that you're talking about athletes training? Um, I think one of the clients I was working with where he would go into uh, a meeting and kind of it, it would be that pressurized situation by by kind of when you've set the intentions of what you want to achieve and when you've practiced as you're preparing for your presentation or whatever you practice the mindfulness it gives you that space between your thoughts so that like when you go in there you're going to be very pumped up and you don't just react to the first thing someone does you kind of give yourself a bit of space and time to kind of see okay, how is this going to play out if I do this or if I do that? And then just kind of skillfully choose, okay, what's the right thing for me to do in that, in that moment? So that's why I think it just it gives you that, that space within your thoughts so that you don't just react and you can choose what you want to do in that moment. And I think that applies in the classroom as well. I think um, a teacher, if they, they come into the classroom, something's happened before they got there i don't know the say for instance their mom's sick so they're already kind of stressed out a bit and then the kid starts to provoke them instead of just launching into the kid you can kind of understand okay why do i feel like this oh, it's because of this and that and if i launch into if i have a, a, a go at this kid how is this going to play out and then choose, choose a bit a more skillful reaction of how you want to, mm. to engage with the kid 
Yeah, and at the risk of venturing into tricky territory, I mean, this sort of has connotations in on, on a personal level as well, right? At, at home, in relationships, you know, we've all had those times when there's there's an, there's emotionally heated times, and and you kind of almost see yourself launching into this, knowing that this is the wrong <laughs> course of action. Yeah, but, you know, presumably, presumably, everything you're talking about here. You know, it, it really does have that crossover to recognizing that there's a there's a space in between the, the the stimulus or the provocation and our reaction to it. There's a space there that yeah. if we can be mindful of that space and have you know the, the the presence of mind and the ability to actually go oh whoa, 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 hang on <laughs> um, I don't need to I don't need to push the button on this yeah. um, I, I'm, I guess I'm really curious because again it still comes back to that idea of um, practicing this or, or having a having a suite of alternatives right because for some people I guess there is only one way I mean we we probably can think of those athletes that we know that when the pressure comes on they kind of go away you know we, we they'll, they'll drop off whereas we all probably know the athletes and when I'm using the word athletes I'm talking about you know performers across a, any sport we know yeah. that those athletes who when the pressure comes on it's almost like that pressure lifts them up mm. um in the same way that we know we've probably all got family members who when it gets heated they get very heated or <laughs> uh, when it gets heated they tend to drift away um yeah. so this idea of uh, you know trying to build up a suite of skills or a suite of um tools from a we'll, we'll venture back out of the tricky territory of personal relationships and back into uh, the professional world are there um particular tools so other than just being mindful you know so other than being able to just say okay i can recognize that this is how i'm feeling or i can recognize that this is happening is there a couple of um, tools or strategies that you can uh, recommend to people that you know offer a framework if you like to to help them make um whether better decisions is the right phrase or or, or more appropriate reactions or or whatever whatever insert the appropriate phrase there uh, in order to help them perform better is there any tools or strategies that they can employ once they've recognized um that something is is happening okay um, so i'm going to delve back into the the tricky bit about the emotional your emotional life uh just to use an example there, sweet okay <laughs> use an example of myself so um i yep. basically i just recently moved to the us um yep. three months ago uh, my wife is pregnant so i knew coming into this that this is definitely coming out of my comfort zone big time yep. so i kind of started to anticipate all right based on you know the way things have gone before when i've come out of my comfort zone what things can I put in place to make sure I don't press that button, as you say, when things are getting heated and you start having, you know, heated arguments when it's not actually anything to do with either your wife that you're getting heated at, just the situation. So I start to leave kind of intentions on, okay, when when you get angry, because usually if my wife says that I start to shout. Uh, uh, so basically she will remind me that I'm starting to shout and usually I'll just carry on shouting because I set the intention. Even louder. That, even louder. <laughs> so I had to I had to acknowledge that even though it was at the wrong time, but I'd set the intentions before we left. So it really did help in catching myself uh, as I was shouting and just having, you know, strategies of, okay, go go away, 
think about it, maybe even write write it down in the letter instead of carrying on shouting, which is not going to get you anywhere. So I kind of find setting setting intentions, especially before you come you come to these stressful situations of running it in your mind what you think is going to happen, and then saying to yourself, this is what, the way I'd like to respond. I think it kind of helps prepare your mind for those situations. And as for tools, there's a, a tool called, it's a kind of a performance profile tool that a group in the UK have come up with uh, called MindFlick. And I found it very useful because me and my wife did it uh, on ourselves. So it kind of shows you what your mindset is like when there's something to be won or lost. And then what's your behavioral style? Do you come out, are you expressive? Are you, you know, empathic? And by, by both of us doing that, it was quite shocking to, it kind of shows us the things that give us energy and the way we express ourselves. So we actually kind of, as we were looking through, we were like, Jesus Christ, did these, have these guys been in our marriage for the last three years and kind of expressed to us why things go wrong? Yeah, you've so, been on Big Brother. <laughs> big Brother for the past three years. <laughs> so it was, that was, a, that I would definitely recommend in, it just, it really helped us as well when, things get heated in being able to communicate and connect mm. easier because instead of shouting and arguing, you kind of think, oh, okay, maybe this person's not understanding me because of this. I'm not expressing myself well. So it does. It, I think that, that that helps as well. Yeah. Rather than just thinking they they hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So that mind flick that you just mentioned there, that's something that anyone can go and find like online. Yeah, I think um, I did a course. So I, I think you can you go and do a course if you want to be able to you know use the tool on on other people. But right. you can contact the MindFlick guys, and they're happy to run you through this profile test. It's literally twenty questions, and yeah. it will just create a profile on you that shows you what your what your mindset is like and what your behavioral style is like, and just show you what what gives you energy, how you connect with people when when you're under pressure. So I would definitely mm. highly recommend it. Yeah, well, I'll, t- I'll see if I can find a link to that and I'll put that in the show notes um, if anyone's uh, listening and wants to uh, have a look at that because that does sound interesting. I, I do. I find it interesting that you you know you said you did it with your wife because every time that I've gone through any kind of training to use a you know some kind of analytical tool or whatever, the one yeah. thing that the, they say don't do don't do this with your partner because <laughs> it could be quite interesting I, I, I love the fact that you know you're you're telling everyone else to be mindful and keep cool and and yet yeah. this points out that actually you you shout a lot sonny <laughs> <laughs> i will actually i will add one caveat though be careful before you do use it with your wife in there it will yeah. always be brought up in the future and ever. absolutely right. it will be used against you <laughs> against you all the time <laughs> And uh, rightly so. Rightly yeah, so. Rightly so. <laughs> so, but, all right. but so if you do want to, if you do want to learn and grow, then I always feel yeah. that the best person to use it to is is with your your mm. partner because they'll they'll tell you the truth all the time. Yeah, that's it's funny that isn't it? Yeah. So often when we're running workshops and we'll ask them, we'll ask people to you know zero in on something that they you know they either want to or, or need to improve on, and we want the caveat and and the the. the, the the throwaway line is and if you can't think of anything that you either want to or need to improve mm. go and ask your partner because they'll, they'll give you something that you need to improve on <laughs> and, and, yeah right so um so there's the mind flick which as i said we'll have a look and see if we can um find what do, what do you think about these if anyone's sitting there going all right you know what i, I do feel 
a lot of the time that I'm kind of, you know, chasing my tail and I've, I've got a stressful situation, whether that be at work, be at home, or maybe both. Mm. Um, this mindfulness stuff, I've heard about it. Um, you know, what's, uh, if, if, if people are thinking, right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this a look. I'm going to have a look at this mindfulness um, stuff. Yeah. You know, the phone apps, you know, things like that. Are they things that you'd um, suggest as a good way to start? Or are there other other things that people can do? Like, where would you suggest if someone was looking to get into it and they didn't feel like going for the full, you know, silent retreat at the top of a mountain for 12 months? <laughs> what would be, what would what would be, what would be a, a, an easy uh, way in for people? For me, um, it would definitely be the phone apps. Um, I think they just make it a lot more accessible. Um, for, so for me, actually how I got into mindfulness was through Headspace. And, right. uh, I was doing yoga and I got on really well with this yoga instructor. And he just, he basically started talking about Headspace. And before that time, I tried, I tried going to a few Buddhist kind of retreats. And it just ended disastrously. Every time I tried to quieten the mind, uh, it only just mm. made me more angry. So when he first mentioned it, I thought, oh dear, okay. I, was, I, I thought I liked this guy, but it's not going that well now. He's now trying to get me into meditation. But he said he introduced Headspace, and he said simply, just do it for 14 days. If you can do it for 14 days, you pick up the habit. And it was simply just five minutes a day. I said to myself, you know, you must be able to find five minutes a day. And surprisingly, after 14 days, you know, this is nearly probably eight years ago, and I've still been using the app. And what I like is it doesn't matter where I am, you know, I can just switch on my phone, just put it on and just and just do it anywhere, anywhere I am. And they have so many different um, kind of packs that you can do for if you want to concentrate or if you're having anxiety or confidence, whatever you want to do, it makes it accessible. But for me also, I find because a lot of people don't like it when you say come and practice mindfulness or meditation. But since I've been working with my athletes and, and corporate performers, I find that people do mindfulness already. They just don't call it that. So mm. informal mindfulness, which is any activity that you do and where you just kind of bring bring your present awareness to it and you enjoy doing it. So if it's taking your dog for a walk in the mornings and you don't have your phone, you're not thinking of other things, you're just there pre- present and enjoying that. that. That is a form of mindfulness or even... Yeah having your coffee in the morning as long as you're not like having the coffee and you're you're doing going through your to-do list and doing loads of other stuff if you just sit there and just really enjoy that moment that is a form of of mindfulness and I think that's one of the biggest parts especially in this you know go 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 world that we live in now to just try and find that time where you just give yourself some me time basically yeah right yeah I had a a new year's resolution that started this year that was to um keep my spare moments spare you know Mm. so rather than when I found myself a spare moment whether it's in the queue or you know whatever it is (laughs) yeah as you say having a cup of coffee just really work hard to keep that spare not think oh well it's an opportunity for me to check my emails or see what's happening on Twitter or whatever just and and I'll I'll be honest you know like some days I'm more successful than that that than than others but it's remarkable when you look around how many people don't keep yeah. those moments those opportunities to slow down because they do present themselves yeah but they it's almost like uh you know they feel guilty and you know these are words that i've heard used people feel guilty if they're not 
on top of everything or they feel guilty you know they've got to check their emails just in case you know and so i really like that idea that um you know if we can talk about me time or or and not feel guilty of that and if we can talk about mindfulness as not being just about you know the apps or the retreats or the or meditating but it's actually those those moments where you just as you say drawing your attention to the present i'm wondering if um you know a bit like going to the gym i guess if i go to the gym semi-regularly and and sort of you know do a few exercises and do that you know consistently over a period of time when the need arises for me to physically perform i'm probably going to be in a better position than had i not gone to the gym i'm I'm curious i guess if the same is said of 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 mindfulness that if i'm semi-regularly even if it's i don't know twice a week three times a week whatever it might be or as you said five, five minutes a day for whatever um is, is, can the same be said that when the pressure really comes on in a, in a, in a you know, it's a particularly heightened scenario, am I going to be, you know, would the research suggest I'm going to be in a slightly better position to handle that um, situation better than had I not been practicing my mindful moments? I mean, yeah, I did, a, I, I did my MSc research on mindfulness and the research, the participants I had in the study all of them had been doing mindfulness for around three over three years. And I found that a lot of them did informal mindfulness, which is what I was saying to you, where you can go for a walk or go for a run, whatever you're doing, you've learned to cultivate that habit. And I was trying to understand, trying to work out, yeah, how come they scored so high in that? And I think it's just that for me, when I looked at myself, Whenever it came to the stressful moments, because I think it's a habit that you have to cultivate where I, I do it pretty much every day. If I don't do, either I do yoga or I do seated meditation or basically I'm doing some sort of informal mindfulness. So that when, when the pressure situation comes, it's, it's just second nature to me now to just go and find that quiet space and just sit down and just think, okay, I kind of ask myself this question, on my deathbed, am I going to care about this? And if I was going to die tomorrow, what would I be doing? And it just kind of helps me. I didn't even know when I started doing this, but it helps me when when there are those stressful situations, I can just still be calm and kind of think the world hasn't actually ended uh, and just approach it in a mindful way. Okay. So you, you mentioned there, um, you know, your research and obviously you've been doing this for a, a fair amount of time. Now you've been practicing it yourself, for, as you said, there for eight years and obviously working with a variety of people for a significant period of time. What's something that you've learned or maybe even realized you were maybe wrong about um, through the work that you've been doing, whether it's around mindfulness or performance or mental stuff in, in general? Um, I think what I've learned is since I've started working with people, I think I used to think mindfulness will work with everyone. And I've kind of learned, I've kind of had my my ass handed to me in the it doesn't work with everyone. Um, and also calling it mindfulness is especially with athletes and people who are trying to push that performance boundary. It has it has negative connotations. So I've kind of learned it doesn't work for everyone, and you need to try and weave it in. So I kind of call it know your audience. So know what is going to resonate with your audience and weave it in that way so that it's something that they can understand uh, and see the benefits of. But I've learned that first and foremost, you need to know your your clients' needs are going to drive what they what they require. 
And if the mindfulness doesn't work, just be prepared to yeah to, to leave it. Mm. Okay. All right. So um, where can people find out more about you if uh, they're interested in the work that you're doing and uh, keen to hear more about mindfulness or performance in general? Um, on my on my website. Uh, so that's www.dreamcatchersperformance.com and okay. on my Facebook page, uh, Dreamcatchers Performance. Post a lot of my blog yep. stuff uh, and stuff on there. And and I'm also on LinkedIn as uh, Sunny Wabweze. You can find yep. me on there. Okay. We'll put all those links um, in the show notes if people want to connect with you that way. Now, we've spoken a lot about uh, emotions and pressure, and you actually mentioned earlier that your uh, wife is pregnant. It turns out she's very pregnant, right? And we weren't sure whether or not we'd be able to do this podcast. So um, as a way of uh, saying uh, farewell, we just want to wish you uh, all the best um, because we believe there might be a little... A little Wabwezi uh, <laughs> running around very soon. Anytime and, uh, yeah, soon. We just want to wish, yeah, want to wish you all the best for that. And um, remember those mindful moments, mate, because as a parent of two young kids, <laughs> I can tell you it's going to get pressured. <laughs> <laughs> I can sure. I can assume it's going to test my mindfulness to the to the absolute limit. But yeah, um, yeah. it's something I've just wanted for so long that I'm just so mm-hmm. excited now. I think we're two weeks away from the due date, but. I think baby Wabweze is, uh, they're they're ready to come at any point. But yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. Well, thank you. Given given the uh, given the uh, the stuff that's going on uh, over there for you, we really appreciate you making the time for us today on the on the podcast. So thanks very much for joining us, Sonny. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Dan. If you found the conversation with Sonny worthwhile, please share it far and wide in your network. Don't forget to like the podcast and comment on the podcast. And also subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Or, of course, if you have a question or a topic you would like us to tackle on the Habits of Leadership podcast, or perhaps you'd like to suggest a guest or even be a guest on the podcast, then head over to habitsofleadership.com where you can not only find out more about the work we do, but also connect with us here and leave your suggestions on the podcast page. But until next time, thank you very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And take Take care, take it easy.